Welcome to the Oncology on Air podcast. I am Dr. Prashant. In this episode, we will talk about mantle cell lymphoma. Mantle cell lymphoma constitutes 6% of all non-Hodgkin's lymphomas and historically exhibits poor outcomes with a shorter overall survival. However, advancements in treatments designed for this distinct histology have significantly improved outcomes for both younger and older patients. Enhanced induction regimens and the availability of targeted therapies at relapse have played a crucial role in this improvement. Mantle cell lymphoma is characterized by unique clinical features with a median age in the mid-60s, a notable male predominance and a tendency to present with advanced stage disease. Extranodal involvement including the bone marrow and peripheral blood, is common. A distinctive aspect is its inclination to invade the gastrointestinal tract, sometimes presenting as lymphomatous polyposis of the large bowel. Even in the absence of overt colonic polyposis, subclinical GI epithelial invasion can be demonstrated on biopsy. Cytologically, most mantle cell lymphomas consist of small lymphocytes with notched nuclei. The architectural pattern of the lymph node is usually diffuse, but it may exhibit a vaguely nodular or a mantle zone growth pattern. Morphologic variants include small cells resembling small round lymphocytes with clumped chromatin, reminiscent of small lymphocytic lymphoma or chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and a blastoid variant with a high mitotic rate which is clinically aggressive in nature. The immunophenotype of mantle cell lymphoma is distinct, typically featuring CD5, FMC7 and CD43 positivity, while being CD10 and CD23 negative. Key distinguishing features from small lymphocytic lymphoma or chronic lymphocytic leukemia include the expression of cyclin D1, SOX11 and FMC7 without CD23 expression. Additionally, mantle cell lymphoma exhibits more intense IgM or IgD and CD20 expression compared to SLL or CLL. Nearly all MCLs carry the translocation 1114 on karyotypic analysis or by fluorescent in-situ hybridization. This reciprocal translocation juxtaposes the immunoglobulin heavy chain locus and the cyclin D1 gene. Biological and clinical features play a crucial role in predicting prognosis in mantle cell lymphoma, with cellular proliferation emerging as a powerful predictor. DNA microarray analysis has revealed significant variability in the expression of genes associated with cellular proliferation among MCL cases ranging from low to very high expression. Patients in the lowest quartile of expression exhibit a median survival of 6 to 8 years while those in the highest expression quartile have survivals of less than one year. For practical clinical use, KI67 staining can offer an estimate of proliferation identifying three prognostic groups with cutoff points less than 10%, 10-29% and 30% which are the best, intermediate and worst respectively. In terms of clinical factors, 
the International Prognostic Index lacks adequate prognostic utility when applied to mantle cell lymphoma, leading to the development of an MCL-specific index known as the MCL International Prognostic Index. This index identifies four independent clinical features age, performance status, lactate dehydrogenase, and white blood cell count associated with overall survival, categorizing patients into three risk groups and proving valuable for clinical trial stratification. However, in clinical practice, its use may be limited as older age and poor performance status could classify a patient as high risk despite potential ineligibility for therapy intensification. Two clinically indolent mantle cell lymphoma variants have been recently recognized. The first is in-situ mantle cell neoplasia characterized by presence of cyclin D1 positive cells in the mantle zones of otherwise normal follicles without nodal architectural disruption, emphasizing its low progression rate. The second variant is a leukemic non-nodal mantle cell lymphoma likely derived from a post-germinal center B cell that typically lacks SOX11 expression. Patients with this variant commonly present with peripheral blood lymphocytosis and splenomegaly without significant lymphadenopathy. We will now talk about the management of newly diagnosed mantle cell lymphoma. For the subset of younger patients with classic mantle cell lymphoma who are deemed medically fit, the nuanced approach to induction therapy holds paramount importance in achieving a favorable balance between therapeutic efficacy and long-term survival. The primary recommendation revolves around the utilization of rituximab plus bendamustine or one of the high-dose cytarabine HIDAC containing intensive regimens. This strategic selection is underscored by its potential benefits, particularly for patients anticipated to undergo autologous hematopoietic cell transplantation during the consolidation phase of their treatment journey. In the clinical landscape, a discerning eye is cast upon cases of indolent mantle cell lymphoma, wherein a subset of patients may initially be observed, deviating from the conventional practice of promptly initiating therapy. This observational approach is particularly relevant in instances of leukemic non-nodal mantle cell lymphoma or when the disease is confined to the gastrointestinal tract. Furthermore, certain nodal MCL cases characterized by a trifecta of low nodal tumor burden, low serum lactate dehydrogenase and a low KI67 index may also exhibit an indolent natural history advocating for a tailored management approach. However, a pivotal juncture arises when confronted with patients presenting adverse features such as mutations in the TP53 gene, blastoid morphology or central nervous system involvement. In such instances, the therapeutic landscape urges a proactive stance encouraging active participation in clinical trials. This proactive measure stems from empirical evidence suggesting inferior outcomes when standard treatments are employed for this subgroup of patients. The array of acceptable induction regimens for the cohort of fit younger patients with mantle cell lymphoma is characterized by diversity. In the addition 
to the rituximab bendamustine regimen, more intensive options are considered viable alternatives. These include the RBR-HIDAC regimen, which involves a sequential administration of rituximab and bendamustine followed by rituximab plus high-dose cytarabine. Another option is the RDHAP regimen combining rituximab, dexamethasone, high-dose cytarabine and cisplatin, carboplatin or oxaliplatin. Furthermore, the RCHOP RDHAP regimen, a hybrid approach integrating rituximab, cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, vincristin and prednisone, RCHOP, with alternating RDHAP has found a place in the armamentarium. The Nordic regimen entailing rituximab plus maxi-chop alternating with rituximab with high-dose cytarabin is also considered a credible option. In the realm of treatment strategy deliberations, there exists a notable divergence of opinions amongst experts regarding the contribution of the chosen induction regimen to long-term outcomes in patients subsequently undergoing autologous hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. While some advocate for the seemingly balanced efficacy and modest toxicity profile of rituximab bendamustine, others lean towards the adoption of a more intensive, albeit more toxic, high-dose cytarabin-containing regimens. These uncertainties surrounding whether transplanted patients experience similar or marginally improved long-term outcomes compared to those who underwent rituximab bendamustine induction contribute to the ongoing debate. The dynamic nature of mantle cell lymphoma management is underscored by the evolving landscape of the ongoing clinical trials. The triangle trial incorporating a bruton tyrosine kinase inhibitor into induction therapy stands as a notable example. The trial explores the comparative effectiveness of three arms, RCHOP or RDHAP followed by autologous stem cell transplantation, RCHOP or RDHAP plus ibrutinib followed by autologous stem cell transplantation, and RCHOP or RDHAP plus ibrutinib without subsequent transplantation. This trial not only delves into the induction phase but also integrates ibrutinib into post-induction management, providing a comprehensive assessment of the role of the autologous stem cell transplant as consolidation therapy. The results of the triangle trial showed that the addition of ibrutinib to autologous stem cell transplantation leads to improved failure-free survival outcomes. In addition, neither autologous stem cell transplant-containing arm had a significantly better outcome compared with the ibrutinib alone arm. However, therapy with ibrutinib alone had a more favorable safety profile. Long-term follow-up results will indicate if these results remain consistent in younger patients with mantle cell lymphoma. In the midst of these dynamic shifts in treatment paradigms, a clear stance is taken against the adoption of induction therapy using either RCHOP alone or R-hyper-CVAD. Robust evidence from randomized trials underscores the lesser efficacy of RCHOP compared to rituximab-bendamustine or RCHOP and RDHAP, alternatingly. Simultaneously, R-hyper-CVAD is relegated to the periphery due to its association with excessive toxicity and compromised stem cell collection.
although no randomized trials have compared the various preferred induction regimens the overarching consensus suggests similar long term outcomes after autologous stem cell transplantation however the ongoing clinical trials including those investigating the integration of bruton tyrosine kinase inhibitors into the treatment schema bear promise for refining our understanding of the optimal frontline therapy for mantle cell lymphoma in anticipation of these trial results the medical community maintains a vigilant stance ready to adapt therapeutic strategies based on the evolving landscape of evidence based medicine in the realm of mantle cell lymphoma induction therapy for older or less fit patients consists of rituximab plus bendamustine vr cap that is bortezomib rituximab cyclophosphamide doxorubicin and prednisolone and rituximab plus lenalidomide no studies have directly compared outcomes with these regimens and the preferred treatment approach varies among clinicians treatment that includes a bruton tyrosine kinase inhibitor is also an option in this setting but these agents are not currently approved for initial therapy of mantle cell lymphoma we will now talk about management of relapsed mantle cell lymphoma the management of relapsed mcl involves tailored approaches based on patient's age and response to prior therapies for younger patients who relapse after intensive treatments allogeneic stem cell transplantation is considered although its efficacy varies widely in literature Allogeneic stem cell transplantation shows curative potential for a subset of patients ranging from 25 to 50%. Reduced intensity conditioning approaches have demonstrated a 2-year event-free survival and overall survival of 50 and 53% respectively with a notable transplant related mortality of 32% emphasizing the high risk high reward nature of this approach. In older patients the bendamustine rituximab regimen has proven highly active in relapsed MCL showing overall response rates of 75 to 92%. The proteasome inhibitor bortezomib FDA approved for relapsed MCL exhibits modest activity with an overall response rate of 33% and a median progression free survival of 6 months. The mTOR inhibitor temsirolimus EU approved for relapsed MCL demonstrates an ORR of 22% and a median progression free survival of 4.8 months. Newer targeted therapies are showing improved clinical activity with reduced toxicity. Lenalidomide, an immunomodulatory agent, is FDA approved for recurrent mantle cell lymphoma. In the emerge study, lenalidomide achieved a response rate of 28% with a median progression free survival of 4 months and a durable and a durable median duration of response of 16.6 months lenalidomide appears even more active when combined with rituximab with a phase 2 trial reporting an overall response rate of 57% and a median progression free survival of 11.1 months bruton tyrosine kinase inhibitors which interfere with signaling through b cell receptor pathway show promising results ibrutinib a first generation btk inhibitor 
was FDA approved for recurrent mantle cell lymphoma in 2013, achieving an overall response rate of 68%, complete response rate of 21%, and median progression-free survival of 13.9 months. A second-generation BTK inhibitor, acalabrutinib, also FDA approved for relapsed refractory mantle cell lymphoma, demonstrated an ORR of 81%, complete response rate of 40%, and a 12-month PFS of 67% in a phase 2 study. These newer agents, along with lenalidomide, are being explored in upfront therapy, potentially reducing reliance on intensive chemotherapy and stem cell transplantation. With that, we have come to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening.